This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter. Now on that same day when... Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene. Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Jesus said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad, And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, What things? And they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things have taken place. Moreover, there are some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find the body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they did not see him. And then he said to them, oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all of scripture. As they came near to the village in which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. It's almost evening. The day's now nearly over. So he went in and stayed with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scripture to us? That same hour they got up, they returned to Jerusalem, they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, he's appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus, the risen Christ. Amen. I remember my confirmation day very clearly. Reformation Lutheran Church, east side of Columbus, Reformation and Livingston Road. We'd done all these classes. Um, wasn't that big a deal for me. I, I kind of liked class, and I lived about a block from the church, so I just walked everywhere. We had to do all this memorizing. That came fairly easy to me. Unfortunately, it came easy to me because it never stuck. It just went in one ear and out the other side. We wore these white graduation robes. I'm not sure what we were graduating from. 
Red carnations, that was a big deal. Um, and all my relatives from Pennsylvania came to town. My godparents, that's what we called them back then, not baptismal sponsors. And we didn't have to give speeches like, like you all have to give. We just have to answer a bunch of things that we'd memorized. But we did have a rehearsal, just like we had rehearsal on Wednesday. And uh, it was on Saturday morning. Same rite, same ritual. Really nothing's changed in that part of over all these years. Really the same questions. And the questions all boil down to really two. Do you believe this? And does it make any difference? And it just hit me that morning that I'm not really sure I do. I don't know if I believe all this. Um, I mean, kind of, but, but not like some of the other people in my class. Not like our teacher, Mrs. Sher, not like Pastor Peters, definitely not like my grandma. My grandma had real faith. This resurrection passage today on the third Sunday of Easter is for people who, who find it hard to believe. If you've ever doubted that God even exists, this is really your passage. If you've ever run out of hope, if you've ever wondered why any of this churchy stuff even matters, this is really for you today. And conversely, I'm going to be as honest as I can, if you're 100% sure of your faith all the time, if you've never had any doubts about God or Jesus, then God bless you. You can get out the weekly reader right now, start working on your grocery list, because I won't be talking to you. This resurrection story, this sermon, really all five sermons, are for people who sometimes wonder where God is and whether Jesus is real and whether any of it actually even matters. For a lot of people, the Christian faith seems pretty disconnected from the rest of how we think and how we feel and how we live our lives. William Willimon calls the Christian church today functional atheist. <laughs> believe, yes, of course, kind of, sort of. We believe in a God who is well, well, good, we hope. We might accept as if God needed us to accept it, that Jesus lived and died and rose again. But it's like some distant thing. It's like, it doesn't apply to anything. Let me give you another example. It's like acknowledging that Venus is 67 million miles from the sun. That's a fact. Doesn't impact my life today. Not really. Doesn't seem relevant, faith, sometimes. And it's the exact opposite of what our Easter theme is this year, that, that Easter changes everything, that the resurrection of Christ changes everything in our lives and in the world. Now, I don't know if you caught the part, it was pretty obvious there that the disciples don't know Jesus. They've been with Jesus all of this time. They, they don't recognize Jesus, that he's risen from the dead and they cannot see him. It's in the wake of his death, so I get that part. It's actually Easter day, and even though we're three weeks later. It's Easter afternoon. Two of his followers, Cleophas, and that's the only time we ever hear anything about Clopas. That was it. That's just his cameo. And then somebody else who isn't even named in the story, they're on the move. They just can't sit there anymore in Jerusalem. They're suffocating in their grief. They just have to leave. So they go out on the road. They go out on the road to Emmaus. And as they're walking, Jesus comes, risen from the dead, and he just walks along with them. Luke says, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He does not say they failed to recognize him. He's given us a little clue already. 
Luke's saying, hey, it's not their fault. It's not some problem with their eyes. It's not because they don't have enough faith. No one's blaming anyone for not seeing Jesus risen from the dead. So maybe grief got in their eyes, maybe disappointment. They'd been so excited about Jesus. They put so much faith in him. They were so sure that he was the one. And then, and then it all hit the fan. And when it did, he died, they killed him. The grief was so real, the pain so real that all they could do, all they really could do was hit the road. They could leave. Now, now they had some friends, and let's, let's give them that. They had some friends. They'd already heard that, that Jesus, just like you said he was going, he's risen from the dead. We've seen him. They're all excited. We talked to him. We've seen him. We got this faith. We believe it all. But they had not seen him. And so they walk. Now, they're joined by a stranger, a total stranger, and it just all suddenly comes out. I find this really interesting. Um, it's like shaking a can of pop and then popping it open. It just goes everywhere. It's this total stranger who they don't know. They just start telling them everything about this is Jesus who we loved who's going to change everything in our life and he's dead and they killed him. And there's people who said they've seen him but we can't believe it. They just tell them everything. Now, I'm going to stop for a moment and make sure you know that every one of us walks on that same road from time to time. Life is absolutely full of disappointment. And no matter how long you have followed Jesus or how well you know him or how much you have loved him. It's the road you walk on when you don't make the team. It's the road you walk on when your candidate loses the election, when there's a conflict, when someone you love dies. That's called the Emmaus Road, and throughout the history of the church, that little catchword, the Emmaus Road, that's what, it's, that's what it means. It means that walk of confusion, that walk when you're disappointed, that walk when you're alone and lost. And every single one of us has been there. But here's the amazing and wonderful promise of the gospel of Jesus. You are not alone on that road. You might think you're alone, might feel like you're alone, but you're not. Might look like evil's winning. Might feel like this is all there is, but it's not. Let's name it. Might feel totally hopeless right now. Like nothing else can do. Death, 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 and more death. Like that's all there is, but it's not. Which means Jesus has to look different than maybe we expect him to look. He might be walking right next to you right now. And no one's blaming you now. But you just might not be seeing him. Jesus might look like, let's say for instance, a Stephen minister walking alongside you. Or might look like a stranger at the hospital who just handed you that box of Kleenex when you were crying. Might be the person who'll hold your baby for a few moments so you can just rest your arms and get a moment of peace. Might look like the coach who offers you some encouragement when you lose and said it was a good game. If you're looking for the risen, victorious, conquering Christ and all of his resurrected glory, if that's the only way you can see Jesus as triumphant over others, if you're expecting a voice from heaven, some magic sign, you're probably still looking for Jesus. If you're waiting for absolute certainty before you will believe it, you'll probably still be waiting the rest of your life. The promise of the gospel is this. When you think you're alone, you're not. When you think this is it, it's not. And when you think death is winning, 
It's not. Now, what I'm trying to say is that if you're on the road, the road of doubt and disappointment, please don't lose hope. Be so easy to do. Jesus is there with you. And here, I think, is the hardest part. Uh, happens to me all the time, you would guess, as a pastor. This is how the conversation, I'm going to make it really short for you, but uh, well, just show them to me, will you, Pastor? I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm carrying too much burden. I need to see the risen Jesus right now. I've got about 20 minutes free on Sunday morning. Can you just show me this risen Jesus? And I think that's what was happening to me at that confirmation rehearsal years ago. I can't just make faith happen. It wasn't what they were looking for. It wasn't what they wanted to see. You just can't make faith happen. Here's how Luther explained it in his explanation to the third article of the Creed. Of all the things I had to memorize, it's the part that stuck the most. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or even come to him. But the Holy Spirit calls me through the gospel of Jesus. They don't recognize the risen Lord until he reveals himself. They don't hear God in scripture until Jesus opens it up to him. They they don't recognize the presence of Jesus until he blesses and breaks the bread. Revelation always comes from God. We can't do that on our own. Now that that doesn't mean that we just sit around and do nothing. I'll be really clear about that. And that is an approach a lot of people take. Well, there's nothing I can do to make faith. Well, I should just really do nothing doesn't mean just wander around aimlessly throughout life. There's a reason that we have things called intentional discipling programs. There's a reason we have confirmation. There's a reason the church even exists. And I think there are some clues to that quickly in this passage today. First, they welcomed a stranger. It wasn't just a social club. They don't try to go it alone. What what would have happened if they had not widened their circle, if they had not opened up, if they had not let the stranger into their midst? That's the value of small groups, by the way. That's the value of having some friends of faith. That's the value of having a confirmation class where you have friends. It's the value of having a youth group. The risen Christ often is revealed when two or three gather. Second, please don't forget the Bible. I know... Uh, the Bible's become the last place that a lot of people look for the love of God in this culture. It's a hard book. I get that. Um, Parts of it are violent and oppressive. It gets used in heavy-handed and judgmental ways in our world. But when the risen Christ meets them on the road to Emmaus, he opens up Scripture He explains scripture, and a whole lot of people have been recognizing the love of God through scripture throughout generations, so don't give up on the Bible, and don't give up on gathering at the table. Jesus became known to them in the breaking of the bread. God is everywhere. I can confidently say that. God is everywhere, and God is definitely with you while you are on the road, but remember, says Jesus, remember the risen Lord Jesus reveals himself in the bread and in the wine. So do you know what confirmation actually is? I know it's not the ceremony. It's not what kind of things we're wearing. It's, um, it's really gathering together for a period of time as friends. It's reading and explaining scripture to each other. And it's being fed and nourished at the table and in the church. 
And today, for all the rest of you, this is proof that the risen Christ is still revealing himself among us today. This is an amazing group of confirmands, and if you're a member of Lord of Life Church for a long time, you probably can't imagine me saying anything but that, I guess, but, but they really are. Bright and sharp beyond their years, uh, familiar already with trials and sufferings, able to ask very difficult questions about God and about faith. And they've been on the road together for a lot of years. Some, some of them have been in the same Sunday school class since before they, they can remember. These past two years, they've gathered on Sundays and Wednesdays. They've gone on retreats. They fed the poor together. They worshiped together. They served together. And they are not at this moment claiming that they know it all. They're not even claiming that they believe it all. But they have met the risen Jesus. They have met the risen Jesus. Said it last night at our faith feast, but I want to say it publicly again. We are so very proud of you. So very proud of you. God is doing some amazing things in your lives, in you and through you into the life of the world. And we thank God for you and for your faith and what it means for the world and for this church. Each of our confirmands is going to speak to you individually. I want to invite you to hold your applause until all four of them are done. They are going to be uh, speaking to you in, in alphabetical order. So our first speaker is Ruby Clark. Hi. Um, as you know already, I'm getting confirmed today, and there are a few reasons why. First off, I'm a disciple of God. Being raised in a church from a young age, I've learned a lot about being a follower of Christ. For one, it doesn't matter what other people think. Your beliefs are your own, and even if you are the same religion as somebody, you don't have to believe the same exact thing as them. Another thing is that Jesus really did love everyone, and we need to strive to do the same and fulfill our godly image. The second reason I'm getting confirmed is that this church community has become like a family to me. I've come here for years and love this church with all of my heart. I want to get confirmed to prove both my love for God and my love for the people of this church. I'd be lying if I said I never had doubts. I have doubted things many times, but at the end of the day, I know that I have a refuge here, a safe haven for my hopes and prayers and fears, where I can feel truly at home. Among the people of this congregation, I'm home. A Bible verse that I feel relates to what I'm trying to say comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. This church has been assembled under the cross of Christ and because of our shared love for God. No person should ever separate this because the love in this church and the love for God outweigh many bad things in the universe. I am proud to become a full member of this church. Good morning. Um, I've grown up in this church. I've known most of you my whole life. And in this church, I've met God and God's grace. In the last year, I started to learn who God is and what he has done for me. As many as you know, my dad's job was eliminated in December, and he was forced to find a new job. At one point, we were sure we would be moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, and another, I had no idea why I would be starting high school. It was terrifying. But with my dad trying to find a new job and the stress of not knowing what my life will be like in the next couple of years, God has shown me what it's like to trust in him, even when you're in bad circumstances. My dad has found a job in Worthington where he will start, and I'm starting Worthington-Kilbourne in the fall. 
But knowing no matter where I go, God will still be there with his love and grace gave me so much peace when there was so much noise. I've definitely lived differently since I've realized what God has helped me through. It's been humbling, knowing that my life is in God's hands and all the things that I've done and will do has been through God. As a follower of God, I think God wants me to share what trusting in him has done with my relationship with God. And And it has improved it immensely, and it has helped me better sympathize with people suffering with family, jobs, or friends. And it has made me following God all the better, because I know telling about my faith is what God wants me to do. In conclusion, following God has given me more peace than I ever thought possible, and it has all happened because I was looking up to God. A verse that I think provides this comfort and peace is, is in Luke 23, where two other criminals that was crucified next to Jesus, and one of the cr- criminals asked, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. This man, who was supposedly a criminal, was sentenced to a very painful death, yet he asked and trusted Jesus in his promises. And Jesus reassured him that he would be with him in heaven. And following God in my life is like the same thing, because no matter where, how much I sin, Jesus will pick me up and give me a future to look towards. Walking with God isn't a joyride, and there are ups and downs, but in the end, it has made my life worth it, and I encourage you to walk with me. Hi everyone, as you all probably know, I am Jada Price and I'm an 8th grader at Weaver Middle School and I'm here today to affirm my faith. I remember always being in church. I feel like grew up with God but never really knew like what was happening. I've been going to this church for as long as I can remember and thanks to my grandparents Bob and Jane Price and my parents Linda and Rob Price for giving me the opportunity to grow up with God and His Son. Without them bringing me to church on Sundays, I don't know where I would be today. I also want to thank the church, Lord of Life, for welcoming everybody. Without these things, I don't know if I would have come into this faith. Knowing God's love and grace makes a huge difference in my home and school life. A home, God's grace, has graced me with an amazing family. God shows me love by providing me with everything my parents and I own, not just objects, but pets and animals, too. At school, God has shown me love with my friends. I may not have a whole lot of friends, but what I like to say, it's about the quality, not the quantity. God has graced me by allowing me to have an education, because not everybody has the opportunity to an education. I'm just lucky to have God in my life. Also, knowing that God's love and grace is really nice, uh, knowing that I will never have to work for his love. It's also nice to know that God has never-ending love and grace for everyone and that he will always be with me. I have faith that I will live my life in a special way as a disciple. One of my reasons is that I trust that God will show me the way. I believe that God will guide me through life. I may mess up a little, but ultimately God will show me the way. I also didn't always choose to come to church. My parents would often force me to come when I was younger, but now I want to come. I may not always want to come, but in the end, it's always great to come here. I love getting to know God with the accompaniment of my friends, Ruby, Megan, and Brennan. In class, we read the Bible. I knew I needed a Bible passage, so as we were reading during class, I saw something that I really liked. My Bible passage is about how Jesus states that people who see have sinned. The exact quote is, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus says to them, 
If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, we see now, sin remains. I think this is a very important Bible passage because it proves that the more as humans see, the more that we sin. We judge people based off their looks, and this is not what we're supposed to do. We shouldn't do this. The blind can't do this. They can't judge looks, but instead they must get to know the person. We as humans don't always do that. I'll admit, I do that sometimes, but nobody other than Jesus and God are perfect. We never, we will never meet God's standards of perfection. Nobody ever will. This is why we pray to God to ask for our son, Jesus' death, to apply to our lives. We will always judge, but as long as you pray to God, you will still have a relationship with God. Coming to faith was very hard for me at first. I didn't go to church all the time, and I didn't know many people. When I started playing soccer, I made some friends that went to church almost every Sunday. And as we became closer, I started to go to church more because I wanted to learn more about God. Now, every summer, I go to Camp Moana to learn more and more about God, and specifically that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Also, this year, I'm active in a cell group that meets weekly. Knowing God's love makes a big difference in my life because I know that I'm not the only one he loves. Everyone is loved, even if they don't have the same skin color, eye color, hair color, even ethnic background. Knowing God's love also makes a difference because it helps me understand that God, God loves everyone and embraces how we are each unique. The past two years, I've been going to confirmation classes. I enjoy the Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings with my peer confirmants. Getting to know them has made it easier for my faith to grow and learn learn more about God's extravagant grace, relentless love, and radical inclusion.